You're listening to The Conservative Conscience. In Washington, politicians are full of half-truths and hot air. The Conservative Conscience is here to help you cut through the rhetoric and noise and explore the politically right way to think about the issues. You'll dive into one of the most insightful conservative minds in America, Conservative Review Senior Editor Daniel Horowitz. Using pure common sense and ignoring the group think, Daniel breaks down the major issues in Washington. You are now entering the Conservative Conscience. And welcome back to the Conservative Conscience. Thank God we are towards the end of the week here on Friday, September 8th. Yes, this is our third podcast this week. I know I slipped in an extra one there on Wednesday because there's just too much to talk about. There's too much truth to get out. And there are too many phony conservative talk show hosts, media figures, politicians that aren't really conservative and refuse to confront the reality of both Trump and the GOP establishment. It's not a false choice. It's not a false dichotomy. They both augment each other's faults. We have a Republican Party that doesn't represent us. We have a situation here with the Republican Party where they want conservatives when it's time to vote, not when it's time to govern. It's time we withhold our votes during election time. It's time to return the favor. It's time to chart our own course. And that's really what we left off with last time. And you know, since we put out that podcast, that was podcast number 144. This is 145 here. And I'm, I'm sorry, that was actually 145. It's 146. Boy, I can't even keep track. 146. We're uh, approaching a big milestone here, 150. But anyway, since that time, we've been proven right. Remember I said this wasn't just about the debt ceiling and budget capitulation, which is a big deal because that encompasses pretty much every single issue for the entire first year of his presidency after he capitulated in April and got nothing for it in return, promising to fight in September. Oh, here we are. Debt ceiling, whatever you want. Budget, whatever you want. Your spending levels, your policy priorities. Planned Parenthood funding, refugee resettlement funded. Sanctuary cities funded. Border wall not funded. Oh, and by the way, we're going to insidiously tie it all to Harvey funding and screw you. And by the way, so much of the Harvey Harvey funding, let's call a spade a spade. This is another opportunity to grow government, um, stick in a lot of stuff that shouldn't be in there. There's a lot of HUD funding in there, a lot of other garbage, but no one could talk about that because, you know, never let a crisis go to waste. But anyway, I warned it wasn't just about the budget betrayal that, with, with Steve Bannon, Bannon out, with all the conservatives out now, this was the full Nixonian strategy where he was going to go full New York values on us and start completely genuflecting before Pelosi and Schumer. Call it the art of the kneel. This is what he wants to do. And I was proven right. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Trump puts out a tweet. Don't worry, Mr. Dreamers. The next six months, I promise not to deport you. You're protected. Wait a minute. I thought you were getting rid of Obama's amnesty. How could you say it's unconstitutional because statute requires you to deport them? And then you say, well, actually, another six months, I'm not going to do it. And then maybe at the end of the six months, I might codify amnesty again executively. Constantly using Pelosi's talking points. And then we find out, all the media has now confirmed this now, that Pelosi asked him to tweet this out, and he did it dutifully. 
obsequious to every whim of Nancy Pelosi and Schumer as well. He met with him. Um, Pelosi reportedly said, quote, I was telling my colleagues, this is what I asked the president to do. And boom, 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 that tweet appeared. Folks, Orwell, George Orwell could not have possibly written a plot with more perfidy, betrayal, and irony than what Trump is doing to us. Not only is he betraying us on the very issues that he campaigned on, it's the mentality behind it. It's Orwellian. The very mentality of genuflecting in front of the Democrats, negotiating like a bunch of fools, giving in to the swamp's mentality, focusing on the needs of illegal aliens, focusing on this obsession of more debt and more debt. He promised to rather shortly reduce the debt. Now we're skyrocketing the debt. It's going to surge over $20 trillion now, now that they lifted it. So let's not absolve him from the problem just because you hate Ryan and McConnell. I love how it's so cool all the Trump defenders now, oh, McConnell and Ryan are the fault. By the way, these are the very people that were in my way when I was trying to get rid of them for years. Now all of a sudden they're the problem. They're always three steps behind. Of course they're the problem. But it's kind of like us being tied up by the political class on the ground and Trump coming along and we think he's the savior and instead he kicks us while we're down and tied up. This is an utter ground and pound of conservatives at the hand of Trump. I mean, you add up what they are doing now. Again, it's not just the enumeration of the issues, but the mentality behind it. Everything about the dreamers, illegal immigrants. No emergency, no urgency about deporting the 925,000 aliens already ordered deported. The 2.1 million criminal aliens that haven't been deported. The sanctuary cities, the asylum loophole. None of that. None of that. No urgency to have exit entry. You know, we're, we're coming off on, we're, we're, we're approaching, I mean, for next week, the 16th anniversary of 9-11. One of, one of the biggest lessons of 9-11 is recommended by the 9-11 Commission was our broken visa system. We don't have a way of tracking people who come in. Just in the year 2016 alone, 600,000, 600,000 foreign nationals overstayed their visas and are still in the country, meaning more have overstayed their visas, but 600,000 remain in the country. We don't know who they are. Number of them are from the, from the Middle East. We we bring in over 1.2 million foreign students every year, triple, quadruple, I think, of what what we brought in during 9/11. Many, many, many from the Middle East, about 60,000 a year from Saudi Arabia. No visa tracking. It passed Congress in 1996, never been implemented. No sense of urgen- urgency to put the needs and re- and obligations that you have to to meet the demands and needs of American people first. What happened to America first, folks? At the same time, not a lot of people are talking about this, but they are clamoring to bail out the insurance companies. Where's our amnesty from this broken healthcare system that you created? Nothing. The courts are destroying us. Nothing. Nothing. No sense of urgency. And then you have the budget deal. Just literally passing a Democrat budget for the second time this year when you have control of all three branches. This has never happened before. And then unconditional debt ceiling. The debt's not the problem, folks. The debt ceiling is the problem. It's like saying, the, you know, let, let's arrest the cop and, and not the criminal. 
The cop's the problem, not the criminal. The stop sign's the problem, not the oncoming traffic. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Every single issue. This is a ground and pound. And by the way, it's now abundantly clear that even the half-hazard thing on DACA that he did was only because of the lawsuit pending. Um, It's very clear he wouldn't have done that. That's now being confirmed by some sources. So there is nothing left here. I I love it how I hear some of these talk show hosts uh, are saying, this is three-dimensional chess. You see, he hates Ryan and McConnell. The establishment's not doing their job and passing his agenda, so therefore he's sticking it to them to work with Democrats. Really? What the hell is Trump's agenda? Tell me, what is the Trump agenda? I know what the Trump agenda is. It's himself. Everything we predicted last year is coming true. Let me say this. To paraphrase a certain famous uh, talk show host, I hope this man fails. I didn't say that the last seven months. I knew what he was. I knew what he'd be. Everything we predicted has been proven right, but I didn't want it to be proven right. I wanted to try to make it work. Let's try to work with the guy. Let's try to get what we can. But what we're having now is a nightmare. I want him to fail the same reason that big talk show host wanted Obama to fail when he said that eight years ago. Because the sooner he's out of here, the more our people will suddenly realize the truth. Imagine if you had the Democrats on their watch, everything going on with foreign policy, with social, fiscal, immigration, the courts. The outrage from the right would be unanimous. It would be ubiquitous. It would be on every talk show host. It would be... um, it would be much greater and louder than the Tea Party. But now that it's Mr. Trump, most of our base are, aren't even aware of what's going on because you have the fake fight where the left has to now fight him. So most people think, oh, he got rid of amnesty. But it, everything he does three minutes later countermands that. So it's kind of a false flag operation. I've said this before. In many respects, Republicans are the perfect, are, are like the Muslim Brotherhood to Al-Qaeda and ISIS. They ensure that Democrats and the political class could accomplish what they could never accomplish on their own if they had to own it, if they didn't have a false flag operation, false flag opposition playing interference for them. So all the Republicans, and again, I say Republicans in totality. It's not only Trump. Trump didn't start it. It was the Republican Party, but he's joined in with it in spectacular fashion. They are doing for Democrats what they can never accomplish on their own, and they're stifling any anxiety or opposition that would put pressure on Democrats if they had to own this. Instead, Republicans are owning it under their banner. Worst possible combination ever. And let me say this, just to clear up some you know, lack of clarity with what went on with the budget deal. Everyone's confused. Well, well Ryan and McConnell, they wanted to do the right thing, and Trump joined with the Democrats. No. They both wanted to screw us. They both planned to pass a budget bill, giving the Democrats what they wanted, funding what they want, and not funding what they don't want funded. They both planned on passing a debt ceiling um, that just raised the debt ceiling without dealing with the debt. Okay? That, that's what was going to happen either way. The only difference was just the duration, that the leadership wanted an 18-month debt ceiling increase, and they wanted 
Democrats wanted a three month. Why? It's just because basically here, here's the irony just to show the perfidy here. We view debt ceilings and, and budget deadlines as the ultimate leverage, particularly if you control all three branches of government to, to stand for and enact all of your priorities and use that leverage. Republicans not only uh, despise it and don't want to use it as leverage to do the right thing because they don't believe in what we believe in. They actually view it maniacally with maniacal fear as the Democrat leverage. Oh my gosh, we got to avoid it like the plague. Now, because they've telegraphed that message to the Democrats, Democrats are like, holy heck, not only aren't we under the gun like any minority party would be in this situation, we could actually use this as leverage to now get more of what we want. So we want more of this. Let's do this every three months. Republicans are like, hey, let's kick it to 18 months from now after the 2018 midterms. So that was the disagreement was over a side point. But fundamentally, they were both going to do the three screwballs. Number one, unconditional surrender on the budget, unconditional surrender on the debt. And then most insidiously, number three, just the, the, the chutzpah of tying such fiscal calamity, such liberal priorities to the Harvey funding reprehensible you could have easily slammed the bill on the floor standalone democrats would have to vote for it done it's it, it, that, that is a breach of the social contract what they did we are no longer represented by people who represent us you know it's funny the um ap they they now upgraded from illegal alien to legal immigrant to undocumented immigrant now they've upgraded they're literally using the term undocumented citizen I was thinking the irony is we, the people, are the ones living in the shadows. We are the undocumented citizens because what we believe in doesn't matter. We are like those voting machines in Maryland and Illinois where you cast a ballot for Republicans and it automatically renders a Democrat ballot. Out pops the Democrat policies no matter what we do. The mentality behind what Trump do, is doing. I don't want to hear this garbage from people that, Daniel, I warned you he didn't run as a traditional conservative. He's different. We knew that. And I knew, actually, I knew exactly what he would do with this. But that sure is not what he ran on. And that's sure not why people voted for him. You're right, he's not a traditional conservative. But he sure as heck didn't win by giving the impression that he will take the worst issues, policies, and mentality of the swamp and promote it, that he will be a more passionate promoter of the so-called Nightmare Dream Act, which, by the way, I have, I'm coming out with an article, 10 points, 10 indefensible questions about it, how it puts Americans last and breeds an endless cycle of violence, lawlessness, and amnesty with Americans holding the tab. But he is a more passionate defender of that than Jeb Bush would have been. This is Animal Farm in 1984 mixed together. And it's so bad that what this is doing is now grounding, ground and pound. The few remaining people that are good that are trying to remain in this party, they're just getting worn down. I mean, Ted Cruz is just forget. I mean, he's in the worst position because he's from Texas. So he had to vote against what he railed against his entire career because it has the Harvey funding in it. Um, even Mike Lee, you know, I... I don't don't shoot the messenger. I know many of you like Mike Lee. I like him as well. But I, I saw a, a picture of him meeting with Groper, Grover Norquist, the Muslim bro uh, champion, 
who's the embodiment of the Chamber of Commerce of Ch- Commerce Republicans, the culture of Marxism in the Republican Party. A picture of him sitting next to Grover on one side and Ivanka on the other side promoting this stupid tax subsidy policy disguised as a tax cut. The refundable tax credits make the tax code more progressive. Because this is what happens. You know, No one's perfect. Everyone has their weak spots on policy issues. Mike Lee is no different. And when you realize that you can't do the nine things that conservatives want you to do because no one there wants to do that, I may as well do the one liberal thing I agree with and know that the Democrats will agree with me and Ivanka and all the power brokers will agree with because I want to get something done. Just a slow bleed of our, our good guys. Utter humiliation. Just a total, utter humiliation. Where is our amnesty? Who is going to represent us? The little guy. All the things this man has said on the campaign trail were countermanded, undermined, repudiated, and defiled every second of this week. It's truly a disgrace. It's indefensible. The fact that the Republican Party is irremediably broken before Trump doesn't make what he does any better. A pox upon all their houses. But before I forget, it's important to point out here that Trump went a step further. He said that he's now going to work with Democrats to abolish the statutory debt limit just across the board. I'm going to have a piece out, hopefully at the end of the week or earlier next week, explaining the significance and the history of the debt limit. This is our only leverage we'll ever have. Even if we keep blowing through it now, keep raising it without doing anything, there's always a hope that you could have a moment, you know, some sort of crisis that you could use this, just like the left uses their crisis moments. You could use this as a force multiplier against the debt because you're never going to fight the Leviathan block by block. You're just not going to do that. This is a way of saying, nope. We're going to prioritize. And it's by the way, it's the best way of doing it because the interest payments on the debt are going to become a huge problem down the road. But right now, it's $270 billion or so. We have we, – we take in almost $3.5 trillion in revenue. So that's not the problem. Um, we're never going to default. That, that is a complete lie. You could easily pay that. You could pay, pay Social Security, pay the military, Medicare. But then from there, you prioritize. I worked it out with the math. I've written on this before. But no, he wants to blow through that. Folks, the Republican Party has become, to fiscal conservatism, what they became to social conservatism about a decade ago. And that is 0% alternative to what the Democrats are offering. So the Senate already voted for this shenanigan again. Unconditional debt ceiling increase till December. Unconditional Democrat budget surrender until December 8th. Um, you know, throw in extra Harvey money plus a bunch of pork and HUD programs that don't belong. Tie it together. Re- reauthorize the flood insurance program without making any reforms, without any understanding that like every market distortion, much like, like, much like government involvement in healthcare insurance, they have completely distorted the market and incentivized building certain things that shouldn't be built in flood zones. Nothing. And what's funny is only 18, we only had 18 Republicans voting against it. And I will tell you that number was overinflated because a number of them were like Ben Sass and Jeff Flake, who frankly had no problems with the betrayals when um, 
Paul Ryan and M- Mitch McConnell had their fingerprints more prominently on them. Now it's just because they want to oppose Trump. Again, they have their idolatry from their end. They're all about opposing Trump just as an end to itself. Um, so now, you know, they're opposing it. But the reality is there's there's fewer than 10 people that really wanted to vote against it. And, and uh, of course, Ted Cruz got sucked into it. Guess who voted for it? Luther freaking Strange. Isn't it funny how these candidates run and say, I'm a fiscal conservative. Oh, I'm, I'm for building the wall. Oh, I'm for defunding Planned Parenthood. I'm for cutting spending, limiting government, runaway debt. And this guy, more than a candidate, is a sitting senator because he was appointed while he's running these ads, millions of dollars worth, and he votes for this. I mean, that's the duplicity of this whole game. Meanwhile, Good news on that front. He dumped in just brutal, just disgusting ads against Roy Moore while, while Roy Moore has no ads in return because he doesn't really have that much money, which is why he needs your help. Um, but Roy Moore is still 16 points up. So that ain't working out for him. That's one good piece of news amidst the ground and pound of the week. Um, but anyway, yeah, he wants to abolish the debt ceiling. The House will vote on this soon, and then they're going to move on to the insurance bailout. Next, next. And you know what's funny? Everyone's trying to figure out Trump. And I told you before, it's not that hard to figure him out. He is about himself. It has nothing to do with anything. He will join with the far left if he feels it benefits him. He'll join with the far right if it benefits him. Um, he has a little bit of a kind of soul, just complex about the need to superficially check off his campaign promises that does bother him a little bit. But what you're going to see in the coming days coming weeks, coming months, coming years. I, I told you this. If there's no conservative personnel, there's no way you could sustain it because they're all swamp and he is all about himself. So there is no way you're going to get anything you want. And this is what I mean when I say I want him to fail. I don't want him to fail if he's going to go and <clears throat> do what it takes to take out North Korea. I'll cheer him on. And I was hoping he'd do this. But on issue after issue, it's become clear that his agenda is the antithesis of our agenda, and it's the worst thing because it's creating this false sense of security where conservatives can't even rebel because they think he's doing their bidding. So if 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 the good he is going to do is all superficial, remember remember what we said: discernible policy outcomes, the DPOs. If we're not going to have discernible policy outcomes in our direction, they're going to be codified for the other side with his imprint then I would, in fact, rather he fail. The sooner we get done with the charade, the sooner we could come to, to a solution. The worst thing is to spend the next three and a half years with the fake fight because the left is so far to the left that you know they're inevitably going to criticize him no matter how liberal he moves, and then therefore we have to defend it. And meanwhile, we're just you know codifying their agenda. And, and, and here's the thing. There, we talk about defeating the media, but there's no greater victory for the media, even more than having their preferred party, the Democrat Party, elected, is having the opposition party champion their legacy because then it's consensus among the swamp. Then there's nothing you can do about it. And that's what's so horrible about this. That's why it's worse than than if, if Hillary would have been in there doing the same thing. But in some ways, like I said, it's good, the fact that Republicans have the power. Our job is to expose this so people see that there is no hope in these false gods. 
But anyway, what is Trump what what is Trump looking towards now? So it's funny, you look at the articles that talk about how exuberant he is about working with Democrats. And there's one money quote that stood out to me. Trump said the press has been incredible. Gentlemen, ladies, friends, Romans, countrymen, there is Donald Trump for you. All of his supporters are obsessed with, we got to fight the media, uh, media. Forget about policy, forget about our principles, uh, fight the media. Ironically, he's not about fighting the media. He's so obsessed with the media and what they say about him because he's a creation of the media, always was, always will be. We, we remember the primary against Cruz when he was propped up by the media. But he is so obsessed with them, he watches them all day. That's what he does. Rather than plan out what to do for America, listen to intelligence briefings, go agency by agency, department by department, and drain the swamp. No, he doesn't care about that. It's whatever the last media report he heard about him. That really gets to him. And what I fear now is that he has a that he had a pleasurable experience with this. He's so obsessed. Man, the, the media was incredible that it's going to be kind of like Genesis 3, 6 when... When Eve, uh, you know, ate from the tree of knowledge and, it, you know, the, the verse says um, she saw that the tree was good for food. It was a delight to the eyes um, and was desirable, pleasurable to be wise. So she took from the fruit. She ate from it. She gave to her husband. She and, and, and he ate. My fear is he's going to keep doing this. Hey, this is great. I love this political adultery. The media is all happy. They're praising me. That's the worst incentive, which is why it's so important that rather than having the conservative media obsessively only focus on McConnell and Ryan and don't accuse me of going soft on them because I was the first person to go after them years ago and still will, still do. But if you're going to absolve Trump of all problems, of all culpability, there's going to be no incentive for him to even do anything we want. Because part of the good thing about him being so sensitive to media criticism is that if you have conservative media and the conservative base get in his face with saturation level coverage, you know, it will have its effect. But that's not what he hears. Listens to Rush Limbaugh and cheers him on. Cheers him on. What an utter disgrace. I'm telling you, I hope this entire thing fails and fails quickly enough. So the truth comes out because you need truth before you could come up, come up with a solution. You can't lie to yourself politically. You got to recognize the pain. As it says in Zechariah chapter eight, verse 19, love, truth, and peace. You need the truth before you have the peace. So before we could come to that peace, we got to tell the truth, and that's what I guarantee you we're going to continue doing here at Conservative Review, at CRTV, when you get your subscription, promo code Horowitz. And also, by the way, as I'm talking here, I'm just seeing, I missed this from, uh, from late last night. The Ninth Circuit strikes again. The Ninth Circuit sides with Hawaii that grandparents, uncles, cousins, and all extended relatives of any immigrant in this country must be allowed in. There you go. We warned you about it. We're at a point where the courts could do anything and everything on any issue, even a lower court, and there will be no opposition. No one even talks about it anymore. Just to go back to the beginning of our show with immigration, 
Think about it. Trump now wants to grant amnesty and now legalize a bunch of people. Guess what? The courts will say they could bring in their grandparents and cousins. This is what's going on now. How in the world could you create an urgency, an emergency in six months? You got to go pass amnesty and demand no sense of urgency for the American people to fix the courts, to strip the Ninth Circuit's jurisdiction, to break up the Ninth Circuit and the Fourth Circuit. Where is the sense of urgency? While Pelosi is literally walking Trump like a dog and controlling what he puts out on social media, why is Trump not demanding in return that she tweet out, it's time to break up the Ninth Circuit? The art of the deal or the art of the kneel? Anyway, we're about out of time here. We have a lot more. Next week is going to be packed. We have the anniversary of 9-11, 16th anniversary. We're going to go through our backwards foreign policy and immigration policy, how we could right that ship. We're going to go through what's going on in the courts. We're going to go through what's going on on health care. We're going to tackle immigration. They're holding hearings, not for us, not to deal with criminal aliens, not to deal with sanctuary cities, not to deal with stolen sovereignty, the stealing of citizenship, our birthright, birthright citizenship. Illegals counted in the census. No, none of that. Pure amnesty. Where is our amnesty? Where is our amnesty from this ground and pound, from this two-party system that's nothing but a unibrow? We'll find out a little bit more next week. Lots of good news. iHeart, by the way, is now carrying our show, so you can download on the iHeart app, hear our show anytime, and within the next couple of weeks, I hope to announce something much bigger. So look, we're thankful to God that the truth is able to get out and be disseminated far and wide, because that's the best we can do now, is tell the truth, at least identify where we need to go, where we need to get to, and God willing, we'll be bestowed with some sort of a blueprint. I certainly don't have one now. This, this problem is bigger than any of us. But we have to tell the truth, and then we'll have peace. God bless y'all. See y'all next week. 